Hi, everybody, and welcome back to an emergency episode today um, for Sticks and Bones with Chelsea and Ten. Um, we wanted to just to jump right into it. We wanted to hop on a podcast. I know we usually drop every Friday, but there is a lot going on um, in the United States that is like an attack on people's rights. Um, and if you're not part of the U.S., we hope you do still listen along because it does affect other countries everywhere. And we really, really wanted to talk about it today. So we're not going to get too um, super political into it, but we want to use this podcast as a way to inform you what's going on, um, provide some resources, and also talk about um, feminism, women's empowerment, and goddesses over time and who we look up to. Um, we want this podcast episode to be an empowerment episode um, to take the power back. And yeah, this is where we are today. I mean, I kind of yeah, have to film this. I, who it's where to begin. Cause you wake up and you see something that is almost an outright attack on not just women. It is so much bigger than that. And it's so much bigger than us. It is truly an attack on everything and it's something that we should discuss something that we should have a conversation about um but just to see like the franticness people being scared but also people turning it into something bigger and you know taking a stand and I think that is really important is to not be a Switzerland on anything um it's to take a stand because if you're not going to stand for anything then what are you going to fall for Mm -hmm. And I mean, with Switzerland actually going out of its way and declaring a side after 500 and something years this year alone, I think it's time for us to, you know, stand up for what's right. Exactly. And I also just realized I didn't really talk about the headline. Um, we are talking about the Supreme Court decision. Um, it hasn't been officially made. It's been leaked. No. It's that they late. are going to vote on overturning Roe versus Wade, which is a woman's right to have an abortion. Um, so if this is going to be a triggering topic for you today, we completely understand. We are going to talk about it a little bit. We're not diving into the case. Um, no. Look that up. We are just simply going to be talking about, you know, I'm pro-choice. I yeah. definitely believe in having autonomy over your own body. Um, I identify as a woman and this is an attack mm -hmm. on my personal rights. Um, and I truly just feel so like at a loss for words that it's 2022 and we still have people fighting for equality and we still have people fighting for their rights. And I just feel like the U S has taken like 50 years back We're we're going back. Oh my God. We are going so far backwards and people will always say like, oh my gosh, like abortion, this abortion, that, and no matter what people do no matter whether you ban it, you outlaw it, you make it a federal offense, anything like that, that doesn't matter. It's not going to stop it. You're just going to have access to less safe abortions. It's going to continue, but the woman's, the mother's, the person carrying the fetus, the baby, however you want to call it, their life is going to be put at danger now because they are going to seek other ways that are not, you know, healthy and responsible because it is up to the individual carrying that child. It is up to that individual and their doctor. It's a war on us basically that we don't have the choice over our body and 80 year olds in the Senate, mostly men can make these decisions. And it's like, why do you exactly. decide what I do with my body? You, you don't. Because they want to decide that. But when, and if 
God forbid this does pass, they will always have access to safe abortion. Yes, yes they will. For, be able for their mistresses, them. for their wives, for their daughters, they will not suffer. It is everybody else in the states who are going to suffer if you are not from a white upper class in power male dominated family. It's totally true. And to go back to your other point, it's so much bigger than Roe versus Wade being overturned. It's going to basically, and in the document, I believe, I didn't read it extensively, it outlines that they also want to overturn other like freedom that we have, which is like same-sex marriage that we just had to fight for that actually is just pretty recent in the United States. So it's not like, okay, maybe you don't care about abortion rights, but you should care about everything else because it is a war on everybody that's on everything this male yeah i believe it's the fact that they want to overturn it and make it i believe a state issue right which which is a big problem which means if that is passed it is going to automatically allow 13 states to immediately make it a criminal offense and to completely ban abortions but if it's still at the federal level then the states cannot interfere with that and if they take other aspects like same-sex marriage um even child marriage laws they want to take to the state level which if you're in a certain state that is a certain color then that might be issues and you see it a lot um that it's going to get dangerous for some people. It is. It's getting really dangerous. And, you know, Ted and I were talking about how we wanted to approach this podcast because politics is important. And, you know, we're not going to drag politics into our podcast every single time. But as spiritualists, at mm-hmm. what point do you have to separate church and state? I mean, there is a separation of church and state, but it does not feel like that in the United States because this is coming mostly from a religious belief that yep. people believe that life begins at the fetus because the Bible told them so. And nor does that say that anywhere specifically in the Bible. It may allude to it at some point, but that might be your religious belief, but that's not everybody else's. And you can't sanction something on the entirety of the U.S. based on a religious belief. That's not fair. Yeah. If that's your belief, that's fine. And fair. That's fine. fine. That's fine. Don't push that belief onto me. And yeah, it's, it's nerve wracking for me on like, uh, a personal level. If, you know, not only is, you know, abortion a topic, but it's going to be, um, contraception. So everything it's everything. And as somebody who has health issues, who could be put at risk, um, I have been on birth control since I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Not because I was sexually active, but because my body physically cannot go through it without going to the hospital. Right. It's a medical so, procedure for it's a medical. How many procedure. other individuals out there are going to now be suffering? Like it is a health concern on so many levels that it's not just people screaming at you in front of a Planned Parenthood that you're killing children. No, it's, it's not. It's I'm going there to get my health taken care of. No, I agree. And it's just, I woke up today just feeling so helpless. I was like, what can I do? Obviously. So there are a ton of things you can do. Um, we're going to look into, see if we can Mm -hmm. providing a list on some of our link trees of like, I know there's going to be protests going on. I know people are protesting on mother's day. People are, people are saying like not to work, don't show up to work, but that's not a luxury everybody has where they can't just like not show up to work because they have bills to pay. But one of the things I do want to talk about is the satanic temple. So 
I stan the satanic temple. I'm actually considering, I'm lucky I live in a blue state, but if I didn't, I would join the satanic temple. So we want to debunk the satanic temple today because they have basically, they're coming after, uh, because, you know, there is supposed to be a separation of religious beliefs and lawmaking in the United States, but there isn't. Um, the satanic temple has made abortions a sacred ritual right under this religious act in the U.S. Yeah. Like the government can't go after them being like, you can't do that because it's part of their religious beliefs at this point. So yeah, the satanic temple in- is using the government's rhetoric against it. So yeah, it's, it's incredible. They- if they're going to say, no, no, you cannot do that, then it immediately becomes, you know, a case for probably the Supreme Court where it's like, if the government can, why can't we? Because we are a religion. We are just using your right. words against you. Like you can no, go be a hypocrite, but we're going to call you out. It's genius. And I believe they started this when Texas originally overturned um, a yes. case of abortion. So if you go to the satanic temple, not the church of Satan, that is something completely different. And they get shit for it all the time. The satanic temple does not, is not the worship of Satan, by the way. This is why yeah. I, I can't stand people sometimes. Cause they're like, that's <laughs> the worship of Satan. If you just did a quick Google search, I'm going to read you one of their, their um, tenants. They have seven Hit me with it. Here. The first one, one should strive to act with compassion and empathy towards all creatures in accordance with reason. Sounds like a great place to me. Sign me up. I'm here for it. People are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. Accountability. We're here for it. The struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. Another one. So the freedom of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend, to willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. So they are all about backing everyone's own freedom and belief system, no matter what you believe and how you identify and who you are. As it should be. As it should be. So I just wanted to read a few principles. There are seven of them, but um, just to debunk, it is not the worship of Satan. Um, They're using Satan in this instance as the word Satan literally translate to adversary. So it's not the Christian devil. Um, Satan is represented in the Bible, but he's Yahweh's adversary, right? He stands for everything that the Christian God, the Abrahamic God does not. So it's opposing institution. It's opposing those beliefs and believing whatever you want to be. In this case, they are opposing the weaponization of religion. Yes, exactly. And um, you can join the Satanic Temple. Anyone can. I believe it's 35 to join. It's free. But to have proof that you're part of the Satanic Temple, I believe you have to pay $35 for an identification card. And I did read there might be a $100 yearly membership fee. But I mean, when it comes to your rights and you're living in a state where abortion is being banned and you need to have access to it you can, you can simply join the satanic temple. They'll, anyone can join. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter where you're from in the U S. Yeah. I think there's local chapters. Yeah. Um, so you would just find the one that's closest to you and you would be under that under their jurisdiction in a sense. Exactly. So we just wanted to provide that one resource because, um, a lot of people are using the satanic temple and the satanic temple does not care. They want people to join for this reason. This is the whole reason why they had abortion, um, under a sacred religious right in the satanic temple, because they're trying to protect 
those who need to have abortions done. So please feel free. You can go to the, the satanic temple.com. Ten and I are thinking about doing it. Um, yeah, honestly, it's really interesting that, um, if it were to ever come up that you would have to prove that you're part of it. It's so interesting because I don't believe any other religion, like makes you prove that you're part of it. Yeah. I wonder, I'm not sure if you do or not, cause to join is free, but I guess if you ever want an identification card for safety purposes of like, that's true. afraid to go to jail or something because you had to have this procedure done. And then you can have mm-hmm. a card that's like, no, I'm part of the satanic temple. It's part of my religious freedom. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think, I think it's smart to get all bases covered. Yeah. Should they ever need to be. Mm-hmm. And then also <laughs> before we move on, I want to talk about, um, the, uh, figurehead of the satanic temple, which everyone thinks is Satan. It's actually Baphomet. Um, this is how I love that. don't know Baphomet, uh, is not any, he's not an evil figure. He's actually non-binary. Um, and Baphomet, there are, um, assumptions that he was worshiped by the Templars, but he stands for balance in the universe. So <laughs> balancing both sides of things he's not evil. He doesn't stand for like anything satanic related in that sense. Um, if you subscribe to Christianity, but he is just simply about balance in the universe. So I think it's really funny when people use Baphomet and they're like, this is Satan. It's like, that's Baphomet. Baphomet. If you're going to insult somebody, at least get the, um, the individual correct, first of all. But I do love how they have a figurehead who represents balance as, you know, an infernal entity, but calling it the satanic temple, you are literally calling yourself like the adversary's temple. So I, it's just beautiful all in around. Yeah. So it is. And Baphomet is half, half human, half animal, male and female, good and evil. or however they, you could say use pronouns they, they are the epitome of balance. Um, so Baphomet is the figurehead that you will see when you go to the satanic temple.com. Uh, so don't be nervous. It's not anything evil. It's just talking about the balance in the universe and the, the uniting of both. So um, this is why we say we love to debunk all this stuff, because when you say the satanic temple to people, they're like, they're worshiping Satan. It's like, no, I'm actually worshiping myself and my own belief system. And most people in the satanic temple are actually atheists. So yep. um, one day, Ted and I will touch upon um, Satanism and what it actually is. You can do a quick Google search, but it's not what you would think it is. Nope. But you know, here at Evoking and Sticks and Bones, we are all about, you know, leading through re-education and doing the best that we can. Exactly. So we just wanted to touch upon this really quickly. Um, you know, we, we felt it a really right time today to do an emergency podcast, but we want to sort of transition into the next piece of this and talk about, you know, some of our favorite goddesses, um, in history that we look up to that we find a source of empowerment from and who really say crush the patriarchy under their feet and tell some badass stories about them, um, why we love them, what we know about them in their own mythology. And maybe it will encourage you to, if you want to, you know, worship some of these goddesses or even read into their mythology today to give you that empowerment that you need, because we want to make this like, we can do this. We can fight against this and everyone deserves equality. Um, I read a tweet today that was like, if you didn't have to, um, wait up last night to see like what the Supreme court was going to vote, like you're basically super privileged because it doesn't affect you. And this really only affects white cis men. So, I mean, doesn't affect white cis men. 
Correct. Yeah. They're, they're the only ones that have like total equality and everything. Full equality, uh, get out of jail free card, honestly. Jeez. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about it. Ten, who is your favorite? Well, I won't say favorite because we don't play favorites here, but um, I don't want to unleash another Trojan war. Thanks. No. <laughs> what goddess comes to mind when you talk about divine feminine empowerment, female empowerment, or just a badass goddess that you have read their mythology? Um, who, who comes to mind for you? I have a few and I have a few historical figures as well too. Go into it. So, um, this archaeologist, right, well, we need 10 on the, we need 10 on the so track for this. I'll, I'll do one. And then like, we can just like bop back and forth. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to have the, um, archaeological pers- perspective you do, but I can just go over some of the like goddesses in religion that I believe to be incredible. Yeah. So I think the first one I'm going to start with is actually, you know, a historical figure, because I do have a few that really, really stand out to me. Um, The first is actually none other than Hatshepsut, who was specifically the first female to be called Pharaoh. Um, Prior to her, there were a few other women who came before her in earlier dynasties who were ruling Egypt, but I don't believe that the term Pharaoh was ever used. Um, But she was actually the first Pharaoh. She positioned herself in art to look like a male. She was often represented, you know, in a male's body. She never was shown to have, you know, female breasts, anything like that. And um, what happened is she was married to her husband and he died, you know, pretty early on in their marriage and he did have a young son and it was not her son because pharaohs had their own harems so it was her stepson and that was um Tuthmosis the third and she was married to Tuthmosis the second and because he was too young to rule at this time period she really you know took on the role as you know consort um queen mother all of that kind of stuff but then as time progressed she found, you know, she fit the bill perfectly. She was bred to be queen and she 100% was doing better than every other man before her. Um, During her time of reign, she opened up new trade routes to Nubia. She expanded trade routes in Southwest Asia and into Greece. So we are seeing a ton of stuff, led beautiful military campaigns um, in the Sinai, all of that kind of stuff. And was portrayed as a man like her cartouche all of her funerary statues show her as a man you can actually find a sphinx of her um at the metropolitan museum of art you can go on their website and search the objects and it is showing her as a sphinx but as a male sphinx so i found that to be super interesting she had a very long rule um she has a very well-known and famous uh funerary temple at Deir el-Bahri in Egypt. It's located next to a Middle Kingdom Pharaoh's tomb. But she really said, no, no, this is my time to shine. And unfortunately, as history would be told, when her son came to power after she died, her her stepson, excuse me, there are reports and there are speculations that he personally did remove every single representation of her from Egyptian art by, you know, chiseling her face, chiseling her name, 
off of, you know, inscriptions and stuff, because that is the Egyptian belief in the afterworld that if your name still exists, you exist in the afterworld. And if your name is gone and nobody talks about you, nobody, you know, sees any sort of representation of you, that you are not even a memory in their mind, you no longer exist. So he was trying to ask her existence? Yeah. And not too sure I'm not exactly sure if it was him personally or if it was other priests who came in other male you know politicians during this time period who didn't want to be shown up by a woman um that is so this is how long this stuff has been going on for even probably before this time period it's like it's such bullshit they just can't handle that a woman was able to like open trade routes and command a military it's like well she did it didn't she and she did it well so why do you care like she was ruling the way she's supposed to Exactly. And she did don all of the ceremonial regalia. She actually wore the uh, pharaonic fake beard, which had never been done before by a woman. So she really turned gender norms of ruling on its head for its time period. So, and she is ruling like in the, in the new kingdom, I believe it's the, it's 18th dynasty. And I want to say it's about the 15th or 16th century BCE. So we are talking a good 3000 years ago that this woman really upturned history. And if you are interested in reading more about her or the other female Kings of Egypt, um, I highly, highly can't recommend her enough. Dr. Kara Cooney of UCLA has done phenomenal work on not only Hatshepsut, but the other female leaders. Um, You can read her book, The Woman Who Would Be King, or her newest release a few years ago came out is entitled When Women Ruled the World. And beautifully done, like truly, I wanted to go out and smash the patriarchy. I'll have to read it. And I think that's a good recommendation for a book, especially if you're feeling powerless during this time. It's like, what can Mm -hmm. I do? Where do I find motivation? Where do I find empowerment? Women have been fighting back since the day that this earth started against men. So against the patriarchy. So I think those can be really inspirational stories to read. And I definitely will take a look into it. And then you just have to wonder, like, I wonder what trials and tribulations she must have faced being a king of Egypt and how did she get the support probably needed to do things you know it's like she had to work her butt off 10 times harder as for sure today in the business world absolutely and it's kind of like mimicking how women feel today almost especially I mean I came from a really corporate job um and I worked under men and getting anything done as a woman was so horrifying the way they would talk to you in meetings, the way that they wouldn't promote you for certain things. And men would get promotions over me, even though I was more qualified to have them. Um, you know, that it, it exists and women still don't get equal pay in the United States. So it's just, yeah, it's wow. not even in like corporate it, it it's everywhere. Oh, yeah, it's everywhere. Even in my own, you know, academia, I'm oh, it's probably worse in academia. <laughs> it's wild. My advisor, like, still thinks to this day that my dissertation topic is on flowers. Like, no, sir, I am a weapons specialist. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? And even if it was on flowers, who cares? You were saying yeah. something very <laughs> profound about it. It's like, but he literally wanted to typecast me. Oh, you're a female art historian, archaeologist. You should do flowers. And I looked him dead in the eye one day, and flowers? I said, "I'm not. I'm not doing flowers." 
good sir, I'm not doing flowers in art history. I'm going to save that for somebody else. Mm. I am going to talk about weapons and, you know, combat iconography. So move aside. Yeah, move aside. Thank you. I'm qualified to speak on this out of my way. (laughs) Well, speaking of weapons and moving out of my way, I want to talk about (laughs) favorite goddesses. One of my favorite goddesses, and I highly suggest everyone look her up, uh, the Morrigan, uh, Celtic goddess of war, fate, prophecy, and rebirth. Um, I will tell you why she is my favorite goddess. She is so badass in, um, Celtic mythology. You do need to read about her. She's great. Um, just be careful where you're getting your, your sources from. I recommend Morpheus Ravana. She's great with books around the Morrigan. Highly recommend that. Um, but anyway, she, since she was a war goddess, um, she would predict the outcome of war and she always would choose the side that was the sovereignty for Ireland. So she basically would look at a battlefield and decide who is to win and who is to lose. And basically the fate of men were always in her hands. I Um, adore that. Like she didn't give a fuck. She was like, I don't care. I got to do what's best. Um, so men would always, if you saw her, you knew that you were on the losing side and, she would always do like this war scream and there was a lot of blood involved and fighting. Um, and she would just show up and men absolutely feared her. Like the minute you saw the Morgan enter a battlefield, you were like, I'm going down with the ship. That's yeah. it. <laughs> I'm going to go dig my grave now. Thanks. Yeah. And the patriarchy actually feared her so much that her mythology got so misconstrued, especially when the Romans came along. So that's why, you know, we did a whole class about her on Patreon. If you're interested, um, just be careful with your resources. And we always say note and look at the author where they're being written from, because they always tend to paint her out in a very different light because she was such a powerful, um, Irish goddess of war, um, and prophecy. So mm-hmm. I, I stand her, I look up to her. Um, I literally worship the Morgan. She's incredible. And she's considered the great queen for many of reasons. We're not going to go into her whole mythology today, but um, yeah, her followers, you definitely can feel the like, grab your fucking sword and get on the battlefield energy. Yeah. More of get your ass up. Let's go. Yeah. Why are we putting our swords down? The fight's not over type of vibe. Yeah. Wipe your tears off, fix your lashes and mascara and let's go. Yeah. You don't even need your lashes and mascara at this point. Get out of the battlefield. <laughs> exactly. There's so many amazing like female goddesses that, you know, truly embody that. Can't even, I am like, we were talking about like how we wanted to shape this podcast. I, there's so many in different cultures, um, religions. It's like so hard to pinpoint. And, you know, I also wanted to talk about Ma Kali, who Kali Ma really is a Hindu goddess. Um, she's incredible. So, I mean, I'll just list some of them off. I mean, definitely do your own research on them. Kali Ma is one of my favorite Hindu goddesses. I mean, she rips the heads off of, um, demons and wards against evil. She is the divine mother. She is like a huge source. She is a huge goddess in Hindu religion. Like you definitely need to look her up. She's incredible. Um, she's also a goddess of destruction. So I know she can be practiced. Um, I'm not versatile in Hinduism, but just a little bit of what I read, um, down the left-hand path, I think they call it left Tantra, um, that you actually need a guru to evoke her and definitely, um, you know, don't cultural appropriate. So read up on these goddesses. Don't just start doing things. Um, we're just talking about how we appreciate their mythology. So, yeah, because I think that it's really interesting to kind of 
take what they have in their mythology and, you know, move forward with it in your own lives. Exactly. Exactly. And myth, uh, mythology is supposed to inspire you. You're supposed to learn something from it. So it's okay to read. I highly recommend you read other cultures, mythologies around their gods and Mm -hmm. let it inspire you. I think that's the beauty of it. I mean, learn about it. And I feel like Hinduism gets so misrepresented in the like occult and spiritual spaces. Um, definitely a lot of cultural appropriation. So definitely read up on Hinduism. Kalima is a great place to start for me. I love everything about her and her mythology. So she's really badass. Um, Stan, um, Isis, the goddess Isis, not the group Isis or Isel, but the goddess Isis of the Egyptian or comedic pantheon is, you know, somebody else that you really need to look at because her mythology oftentimes really gets, you know, spark noty because people are just like, you know, she is, you know, the wife of Osiris and that's kind of it, mother of Horus, blah, blah, blah. And it's like the mythology goes so much more than that. Like she is a powerful goddess in her own right. And when her brother kills her brother husband, she actually goes out and pieces him back together, creates a golden phallus to create her son with Osiris, who would later, you know, reside in the underworld. But she is, you know, goddess of life, magic, also has ties to the lunar cycle. She, during the Roman period, becomes known as the goddess of 10,000 names. Yep. And she has her own mystery religion in Rome. Her, you know, mystery religion in Egypt moves from Egypt across the Mediterranean to Rome, to Italy, and throughout Italy. And she really just, you know, was super about women. There would be high ranking women priestesses in her group, which was really unseen for the time in Rome, unless you were a Vestal Virgin. But it's really interesting to see how pivotal women were for her mystery religion. And yeah, she ultimately does outrank Ra in the grand scheme of things. When you read her mythology, Ra is bit by a scorpion and to heal him, Isis barters her way and says, I will heal you if you tell me your real name. And Ra had never disclosed that to anybody because once you know somebody's real name, that is basically when you you have ultimate power, have ultimate power over them. Mm -hmm. So she she bargained it her way and he didn't want to die. So she did heal him. He told her her, his real name and that therefore made her more powerful than Ra because she created Horus. She is more powerful than her own son. So she is truly the goddess of 10,000 names. She would later be associated with other deities that, you know, we're, we are going to have a whole podcast on Isis, but she I can't also, wait for that podcast. <laughs> and here's just a little tidbit, like a little, a little sprinkling of a fun fact to get you guys interested, but she does share an epithet that the Virgin Mary the star of the sea. They share the same epithet. And just want to drop that piece of information. Just going to drop that bomb, mic drop. I will be going into all of the art historical connections for that, but there is your tidbit and you too can be a goddess of 10,000 names. I love, I know we'll get into it, but I love how her iconography changes from Egypt to Rome. Um, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I think when we do, we'll do a whole podcast on, um, ISIS one day and maybe her ties to mother Mary, <laughs> but we'll show the iconography. I think that's like fascinating when you research her and definitely look it up. Like Google is free. Yeah. Look these things up as we say them and you want to know more information, look them up. Um, yeah. we're just a starting point for you for knowledge, but, um, okay. I want to go into another goddess. I would have to say Freya is probably my next one from Norse paganism. I was going to ask when she was going to show up. <laughs> Freya. Okay. So in Norse paganism, um, the belief was that women only practice magic. So Freya, um, practiced this very, very, very powerful magic called Seder. And she actually taught it to Odin, um, who is head of the Norse pantheon, the all father, um, very heavily worshiped. And he actually got shit for it because he learned magic from her, but Freya is so powerful. She is one of the few goddesses, I believe in Norse paganism that. I feel like the rest of them kind of fall into the background and Freya really has a lot of mythology around her, um, highly respected by the Asir. And mm-hmm. she literally splits. So when you die as a Norse pagan, you're either going to Valhalla or I cannot pronounce it. Folkfinger? Oh, uh, Freya's hall? Yeah, what's her hall called? I can never pronounce it. I thought it, it was Folkvanger or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Folkvanger. We have her bracelet stack in our shop that actually goes into the mythology around it and the name. I tried on Google to like pronounce it properly. When it comes to Norse paganism, I'm like, blah, 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 blah. But she literally splits the dead with Odin. So yep. she's very highly regarded, very highly respected, powerful, love, beauty, war, death, like rules over the Valkyries. Um, And she is not to be trifled with. Even the gods know that, so- yeah, and she's actually not an original Aesir. No. She no, doesn't they, belong they to that group. Her on board. Yeah. And yeah. like let's let's just take a look at that real quick. Like she was not part of the original, you know, gods of the Aesir, but she oh. was welcomed in her and her twin brother were, and it's just so interesting to see that. And I just love that her name translates to lady and she's out there swinging a sword. Yeah, she's out there swinging a sword. Um, That's why I love, you know, there's a ton of um, oppression in um, people that believe they're Norse pagan today. And they're like only white men that are Vikings. Which by the way, Viking just means you're a seafarer. It's a job title. It's not um, a status. So everyone needs to calm down. But it's like, do you even read your own mythology? Like Freya? No, the answer is no. Freya. She was so highly respected by the, uh, the Aesir gods. Like they literally welcomed her and her brother on board. So I don't want to hear it. Read your own mythology. That's all I'm going to say around any religion. You need to start reading your own mythology and really, really look at it from different perspectives. Yeah. Read it with a critical eye. It's okay to do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, one question I want to dive into, cause we did talk about this on Patreon one time, and then I guess we can start to wrap this episode up, but I want to draw, I want to leave this on a mind blowing little bit of like, let's think about this sort of question that 10 actually showed me because she studies archaeology. You did. You're going to know. <laughs> did Yahweh, the Abraham of God actually have a wife? Did God have a wife? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Did God have a wife? We're talking about the Christian God, by the way, because you never yes. hear about Yahweh's wife, but wow. did he have a wife? And if he did, why is she not in the Bible? And who is she? And who is she? I think that's the real question is, um, you know, did God, capital G, have a wife? And right. 
he is called God in, you know, of course, the New Testament, Christians, G capital. Um, but in the Jewish tradition, in the Torah, he is referenced to um, four letters, Y-H-W-H, which scholars have pronounced Yahweh. Mm-hmm. So same God, they just go by different terms, whether it's the Old Testament or New Testament. But there has been, you know, research recently, especially since the 21st century, dealing with, did God have a wife? And the answer is a little bit more muddled and gray than we would like. Of course, it's archaeology. Nothing's ever easy. Right. Nothing's ever easy. The best place that you can go ahead and begin this deep dive, because when I tell you this, when you start Googling it, you are going to go down a rabbit hole into freaking Wonderland. Um, but the best, you know, summation from scholars and archaeologists, biblical archaeologists, have come to the conclusion that it was likely the goddess Asherah. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of archaeological evidence to perhaps support this. And a great form of evidence does come from the site of Kunjilat Ajrud, which is in modern day Israel, I believe. And it does come from a potsherd. And this is just a little quick tidbit. If it's a broken piece of pot, it's called a sherd, not a shard. It is a shard of glass and a sherd of pottery. Interesting. But um, this uh, pot shirt actually has an inscription that refers to Yahweh and his Asherah. And we have two figures named. So a male looking figure and a female looking figure. Right. So was Asherah his wife? And if so, it makes sense. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it because this is just like looking at things through my, my own lens. I'm a feminist. I find the Bible to be very patriarchal the way it was written. Uh, A lot of mythology is written from the patriarchy. So I could absolutely see why they would have left out a powerful goddess who was married to Yahweh. I absolutely can understand that because why would they ever give ode to a woman being in power? And that's everywhere. You find that in a lot of mythology. I'm not just trying to like crap on Christianity um, or Judaism. I'm not. Um, it's it's everywhere. But you do have to look at it from a different lens sometimes. Yeah. And Canaanite individuals back during this time period, there was worship of Asherah. And there is some commentary within the Old Testament that is saying, no, we should not be, you know, worshiping these individuals um her name does translate into you know a sacred pole so the translations and the transliterations is where you know stuff gets a little bit more muddled but I can't wait to do a whole podcast on her because she is truly interesting but if you are looking for again some sources on it um a really great book that was came out in the 20 teens is by Dr. William Deaver. And it is the book entitled, Did God Have a Wife? And it should have a little figurine on the cover page. Um, He is a biblical scholar. He is an old professor of mine. I've dug with him in Cyprus. Um, Really great. Just understand that he is coming at it as a biblical archaeologist and a scholar. Um, But he does put a lot of interesting points down archaeologically, um, and ties it into mythology and the Bible, which I think is kind of what we're doing here on Sticks and Bones is tying history and mythology together. 
which I love to do. Um, so I hope we gave you some food for thought today. Um, I hope that we debunked a lot about the satanic temple and how you can actually join the satanic temple to save your reproductive rights. Um, and yeah, we wanted, we really wanted to touch upon this podcast episode today, but we wanted to do it tastefully, um, because we do respect other people's belief of being pro-life, but don't infringe your beliefs onto my choice is how I feel. Yeah. And I think, I feel like everybody truly is pro-choice, like whether it's, you know, to do something or not do something. Right. (laughs) You're choosing to do that. So it is pro-choice. Like, that's why I'm like, I don't really get why people say they're pro-life. I'm like, but you've just made a choice then. They're not pro-life. They're pro-birth. Exactly. So then just say it. Yeah. Just say you hate women and move along. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm very frustrated with the state of affairs of the U S right now. And I just feel like we've just gone back like a whole, a whole lot of decades. Um, but yes, we hope that you enjoy listening to this podcast and that you do find solace in mythology. That is the point of it to explain the world around us. And this will probably take place of the episode that we were meant to record for Friday. Um, but we hope that you have a much better day today. Um, and do you actually look up some of the goddesses that we talked about um, and badass fe- um, female women in history that were kings in Egypt? So check that out. Yeah, wherever you guys are, if you guys choose to protest, be safe, stay safe, make good choices and lead with love and re-education. Absolutely. Have a great day and we'll see you next time on another episode of Sticks and Bones. Bye. Bye.